0: Said to be here with you with with my family as well. Um, Isla is making herself known. Um, she's actually a little bit under the weather today. Um, she spent a few days with her grandma and then came back with a little bit of a cold and stuff like that. So she's she's uh, this is the quieter version of her. Is 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 all I'm saying. You wait till we're till we're back here next time. Um, and yeah, great to be here with with my wife Ada as well. And you know, I trust it feels a bit too late in the year now to say Happy New Year to you all. Um, doesn't this year feel like it's flying by? It's already March. Like, I keep thinking like we're still like mid-January, but we're now actually in mid-March. It's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I trust that you as a church are pressing into all that God has for you um, and have been doing that since the turn of the year. Um, For us, we are still part of our local church, very local church, literally two minutes walk from where we live um, in Forest Hill, Icthus Forest Hill. Um, Talking about good things that happen when when we come here, actually. I remember um, when we came here end of 2019 or start of 2020, we had just moved to Forest Hill and we were still in the process of looking for churches in the area. And I remember, um, I think it was Ken um at the end of the service said, Oh, oh, you guys live in Forestier. I think there's an ichthus in Forestier. Have you guys tried that one? And we hadn't. We hadn't tried that one. Of of all the five or six churches we had started to visit, we we hadn't come across that ichthus. And we visited it and like I said, it's our home church now. It it, it beat all the other churches in in our criteria stuff that we were we were doing, visiting all of them. So yeah, good good things happen when when we do come here actually. Um so like I said, still living in Forest Hill, still, still at Icthas Church, and I'm still working as a school chaplain in, in a secondary school um, near Wimbledon. Um, so that's kind of our updates. Um, I'm looking forward to, to actually sticking around a bit after the service, just to kind of hear and pick up a bit of what God's been doing um, with you guys as, as a congregation. As, as Martin said, we haven't um, met uh, in a while, so I feel a little bit out of the loop as to what's, what's been going on with you. But like I said, I trust that God is doing amazing, amazing stuff. Um, I thought I'd share just one thing that that God's kind of given to me and which I've been holding on to since the start of the year, um, which I felt was is very relevant for my role working with young people in schools. So I went to this kind of youth workers conference at the start of the year and um, just as as I think one lady was leading a, a prayer time in, in just one of the, the services and she shared these verses from Isaiah, which just really, really hit me. I felt like like it was for me and like I said, specifically for my context, working with young people. And as I was preparing today, I felt that God said to kind of just share that with you guys and and I don't know, see where it lands with you in terms of um, encouragement. So it's Isaiah 44 Um, And it's verses 3 to 5. It says this, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Um, It painted such a picture of something contagious starting to happen. Um, Kids who at one time would be really shy about declaring themselves as Christians, coming out and saying, I'm a Christian, I follow the Lord, and I want you to do that as well. He's the best thing ever. Um, So like I said, I felt... This, this was so apt for my, my work among young people. And, and actually, since really holding on to that verse and praying for it regularly, I've started to just hear amazing stories all around the country of what God's doing among young people, among what's known as Generation Z. Um, so um, I guess I'll leave that with you to, to to do whatever you want. But can I just, from me, could I just encourage you to be praying for what God wants to do among that generation, among our young people, because I, th- I feel this is a special time um, um, in terms of God moving among them. So that's my little kind of prayer um, that I would appreciate you praying for me in my context, working in a secondary school. But like I said, for young people across our nation as well, in terms of what I wanted to come and share today today. Um, the moment I turned my heart to say, Lord, what do you want me to share share today? I felt like God gave me this verse straight away. Um, it's the verse that can be found in Matthew and in Luke, actually. Matthew 16, Luke 9. And it says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So that's Matthew 16, 24, and it's also in Luke 9, 23. And... After kind of feeling God drop that verse on my heart, you know, you then kind of, kind of think, was that from me? Was that, was, was that from the Lord? Um, why, why this particular verse? As I thought about it, I thought, well, it's, it's quite apt. It's in the lead up to, to Easter where we see Jesus literally take up his cross, go all the way for us. So it, it doesn't seem like a bad time to be considering the call he gives us to do the same, to take up our cross and follow him. Um, So maybe it's just a timely reminder. I feel like this verse, we can never be reminded of it enough. Like, I feel like if someone preached on this verse every single week, it would not get old. Because we easily fall into the thing of not denying ourselves. Like, we're very self-absorbed. We're very in our own world and in our own mind, even as followers of Christ. So if someone was to preach this verse every single week, it would still be relevant to us. It feels like the verse that we just need to keep on being reminded of week in, week out. So I don't know the last time you've heard this verse preached on, but I'm sure God has something to say to you from it today. Not because it's me speaking, but because it's Jesus speaking. It's Jesus saying this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'm not sure if there's any other reason why um, God wanted me to speak on this verse apart from what I've already said, but like I said, I, I believe there there could be. I believe that as I speak, there may be particular things that God will be speaking to you personally. There may be things that God will be speaking to you as a church corporately, and I just I just want to take a minute to just pause to to ask for that that God would just be underlining the things over these next 20, 25 minutes that he wants you to hear personally and and as a church. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Like I said, I could only think of one reason why this verse seems apt for this time, but Lord, in your heart, I believe there are many things that you want to, to speak to your body, to your bride here today. So come. Come, Holy Spirit, turn our ears and our hearts to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, if you've already taken time to turn to to the verse, or you might be wondering which should you turn to, Matthew or Luke, um, we're going to start off in in Luke. Um, When I started to look at it, I noticed... um, that both Matthew and Luke um, actually um, they cover this verse in the same way. What do I mean by that? They both have the same kind of stuff sandwiched in this, verses, th- this particular verse. So th- what they include before this story and what they include after this passage is the same in both books. The reason I'm pointing that out is that because that's not normal that's not always the case like the gospel writers include different stories at different times some of them will include something that the other doesn't include so the fact that they've both included this this verse and what sandwich is it the top layer of the bread and the bottom layer of the bread is the same that that stood out to me because it made me realize that they're trying to help us to get the context that this verse is said in so not just the verse but the context it's, it's said in matters. So that's what I want to do a bit. Before jumping right to the meat of that verse, which I want to share, I just want to help us look at what's, what's above it and what's beneath it as well. So that's where we'll be, we'll be going. So turning in your Bibles. You'll notice Luke 9, 18 to 21 is Peter's com- confession. It's the part where Jesus asked his, his disciples, well, what do people say I am? And you know, they all pipe up and say, Oh, some say Elijah, some say the prophet, some say Jeremiah. And then Jesus turns around and says, Well, who do you say I am? And Peter says, God's Messiah. Or, or uh, I think in, in I think in Luke he says God's Messiah. In Matthew, it's like you are the, the son of God, the Messiah. So essentially, Peter does this big confession of Jesus as the Messiah. And I guess I wanted to stop there before I even get to those verses that I, I want to share. And just, just I don't know everyone in the room. I want to ask the question, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Have you gotten to the point where you've declared him, where you've put your trust in him as the Messiah? That's the first question I want to ask. And if anyone still needs convincing, the gospel writers are writing because they want us to be convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. It took his disciples a while to get there. But as you can see in this moment, Peter gets there. Jesus is the Messiah and they want to leave us in no doubt of it. In the stories that they write, in the miracles that they include, they show that Jesus is the messianic prophecies that are included all the way in the New Testament, in the prophets, and all, all of that. They show how Jesus's lineage is from David, is from Judah, is from Abraham, which is what they know in their scriptures that the Messiah had to be. They show Jesus healing. They show Jesus forgiving, which is something that only God can do. So in case anyone thought that Jesus was just a miracle worker, just a prophet. No, he's more than that. He's more than that. They show him doing similar miracles to what Moses did. Feeding of the 5,000. Remember, Moses gave them the manna. As soon as Jesus is feeding the 5,000, their mind is going to what happened in the wilderness. Do you remember the story where Jesus walks on water? That's reminding them of when God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked essentially on water. Jesus is doing these things, not just random signs. It's because he's proving, he's showing them that he is at least the prophet. But because he's doing more than what their greatest prophets did, he's pointing them to the fact that he's more than a prophet. And like I said, eventually, you know, he <laughs> heal, he calms the storm, he casts out demons, he raises the dead. Eventually, the disciples get to the point where they realize that you are, you are the Messiah. So I don't know if there's anyone here who, I don't know still feels like i i need convincing i'm not quite there yet i i just pray i pray that maybe something that you'll hear today i pray that something that holy spirit speaks to you directly will bring you to that point where you say yes jesus you are the messiah you are the messiah and and, and i don't this this is irrespective of what age you are. This is irrespective of what, what stage, how young or old. It, it's never too young to put your trust in Jesus. I did it when I was 19, but that's I, I talk about that as one of my biggest regrets because I wish it was when I was nine or three. Like I hear some people who say they put their trust in Jesus when they're five and I get jealous. I'm like, oh, why did that happen for me, Lord? Because I can see the massive difference in just peace, joy, everything, like confidence, not security, like not caring what other people think of me. I can see the massive difference that's been been, been evident in my life from 19 till now to, to 19 backwards. And I want that for everyone. It's why I do youth work. Because I'm like, I don't want young people waiting until they're 30 or 50 to put their trust in Jesus. The earlier you do it, the better. So I don't know if you're in this room, you're, you're 13 or you're on the other end, you know, 70. You're not too young. You're not too old to put your trust in Jesus. The earlier you do it, the better. So do it today if you haven't already. Why? Cuz Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God's anointed. That's what Messiah means. There is no other person in in who we will find salvation, or peace, or whatever it is that you're looking for that is not to be found in no one, in nothing else that the world can offer you. It can only life and life to the full is found only in Jesus. So don't continue the search. Don't continue the search. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Jesus is God's Messiah. I pray that if you haven't done it already, today will be the day where you confess that in the same way that Peter did. Part B of that question is what kind of Messiah do you see him as? So, if you've gotten to the point where you've, you know Jesus to be your messi- Messiah, I want to ask with part B, what, what kind of Messiah do you see him as? Because that's what we kind of see going on in this, like I said, in the context of this. And for this, I think Matthew helps us to kind of see it a bit more clearly. So, if you're tracking with me in your Bibles, go to the story in Matthew 16. And let's see what happens after that confession. So somewhere around verse 20 to 23 is where we're going to be. Right after Peter's confession, we know that kind of declaration that Jesus gives to him, that you are Simon Bar-Jonah, son, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. On this truth, I'm going to build my church and, and all of that. And then Matthew reports to us that from that time, Exactly exactly in the same way that Luke reports to us. After this confession, Jesus suddenly starts to tell them about what's going to happen to him. So this is verse 21 now. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed. And on the third day, be raised again. Actually, before Jesus kind of even gives this kind of thing he tells them he tells them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ so Peter makes this kind of bold open declaration and Jesus tells them okay don't don't tell anyone and then from that time on he begins to tell them about how he's going to be killed and, and and stuff like that and then look what happens after that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying far be it from you lord this shall never happen to you and jesus turned and said to peter this is quite strong isn't it get behind me satan you are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man so what's 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 going on there okay So Peter's gotten to this point where he's like, you are the Messiah. But Jesus tells him, okay, don't go around spreading that to everyone. Why is Jesus saying that? Well, it's because in their mind, what they think the Messiah is going to be is not the kind of Messiah that Jesus has come to be. In their mind, they're thinking the Messiah is going to be this kind of revolutionary guy who's going to, by force, Right. By force, overcome the Roman authorities and kind of restore power to the Israelites. This is their mind, their picture of Messiah. And you can see that that's a bit of what's going on here when Jesus suddenly says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be shackled. I'm going to be bruised and beaten and even killed. Alarm bells are ringing in Peter's mind, like, What are you talking about? You're the Messiah. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to be the one who kills everyone and destroys everything and restores power to us. And that's why Jesus is saying, Don't go around telling everyone that I'm the Messiah. Why? Because everyone else will get that idea in their mind. They'll think, Oh, yes, he's come. Blah, 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 blah. Riots and stuff like that will start to kick off because they're like the Messiah is here now. We can, you know, let's go and start training and all of that. So Peter, so Jesus is like, No, no, before you start to spread that out, let me make sure that you guys know what kind of deal this Messiah is. So from that time onwards, he starts to tell them, Look, I'm gonna be killed, I'm gonna be he's he's helping them to see who he's going to be so doesn't fit Peter's expectation of what the Messiah would come to do that's why Peter rebukes him in that way and that's why Jesus says you know what get behind me because you're not thinking what do you say you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man so he had his own picture of of what the Messiah had to be according to the human way but actually our Messiah is the one who goes all the way down, allows himself to be killed, allows himself to be bruised and battered, even allows his life to be taken. Why? So that all the rest of us can have life. So that that life can be available to the ends of the earth. You know, if he had come as the regular Messiah, maybe he would have brought some salvation to to the people of Israel. But what about everyone else? What about the rest of the world? What about us? Would salvation have reached us if Jesus had done the normal Messiah role? It was almost like I'd never thought about this until I was preparing this, that Jesus had to to do it that way. Why? It's because in the laying down of his life, life could then be given to all the rest of us. Just what a radical way. You know, surely if anyone was entitled to come and take things by force. It was Jesus. Why? Because he's he's the, he created it all. Like it, it belongs to him anyway. If there was anyone who had the right in all of history to come and just be like, give me that. It's him. But he chose not to do that. He chose not to do that because like I said, God's desire right from the start is actually to do things through 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 human beings through us that's why he he raised 12 disciples gave them his authority and through them multiplication 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 this great gospel has reached the ends of the earth and this great gospel has reached us so be clear let's be clear of who our messiah is because it gives us a picture as to who our messiah expects us to be our messiah is the one who lays down his life so that all can have life so then when we get to this crazy verse in Luke in Luke 9:23 and Matthew 16 where he then tells us deny yourself take your cross and follow me We can receive it because we're receiving it from just the one who has literally done that. He's not telling us to do anything that he himself has not done and he's gone over and above it. See, we get a bit wary of authority figures in, in our day because it's like they're telling us to do things that they're not doing themselves. That's why there was so like the whole COVID stuff. Like the, the government lost any kind of reputation that they might have had because they're telling us stay in, do this and do that, and then there's all this stuff coming out where they're having parties in their houses and stuff like that. And You're just like, this is why no one trusts and 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 follows you guys because you're not, you don't fo- you're not exemplary. You don't set example to to follow. But our Messiah, our Jesus, is just the opposite of that. If he's calling us to do anything, you can be sure that he's gone over and above it. Okay, so let's look now. This is now the meat in the middle. That was the, the bread on top. That's Peter's confession and Jesus' reaction to it. Let's look at the meat in the middle, which is these verses that I said that God put on my heart. And I asked them to put it on the screen um, just just so we can see any differences in the way that Matthew and, and Luke report it? There's not that many, but I, I thought I would highlight a couple of differences. Um, and I think it's I think uh, Kev said it's not going to be very visible. So so sorry about that. You probably can't see it that well from from where you're sitting. But if you have your Bibles, um, you can have a look at it. Uh, so uh, let me read it out from Matthew. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Not many differences between the way uh, Matthew and and Luke reports it. Um, So Matthew writes, uh, whoever loses life for my sake will find it. Um, Luke writes that whoever loses my sake will save it. Luke also includes this this little word that I like: take up his cross daily and follow me. Matthew doesn't inc- include that that daily, but I just find that daily to be so helpful because, like I said, it's <laughs> we need a daily reminder of the fact that we're called we're called to do this. Um, Luke goes on to include this line that is not in Matthew. Luke says that Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed of when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So that line is not there in Matthew, but I think that line probably um, fits in really it seems like it makes sense to fit to go just before verse 27 in in Matthew it it lines up very well if you see what what um, Matthew writes in in uh, verse 27 so anyway just just wanted to point out those those little differences that I noticed as I was seeing it when I was now trying to think okay what are the teaching points Lord that that you're wanting me to draw out from this right I, I kind of Did that the first time I was preparing. Did that the second time. Did that the third time. The truth is, like, I felt like God wasn't really giving me much teaching points to draw out. I was trying to think, okay, what could we say about, um, you know, deny yourself, take off your cross, follow me. Maybe I could do something around those those three things. I wasn't getting anything. And then I got to the point where I realized that, that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying these words are so strong in itself that you don't need to say anything. You just need to put it before the people and let the Holy Spirit speak to each one from these verses. So that's exactly what I'm doing. That's that's actually why I've asked them to put these verses and not anything else on the screen, in case there are some who didn't have their Bibles. I just wanted you to really see it. Um. And I guess I want to pray. I want to pray that Holy Spirit would just highlight what he wants to say to you at this time. So not what denying yourself, carrying your cross and following Jesus. Not what it meant for you last year. Or what it meant for you when you first became a Christian. What I'm asking Holy Spirit to speak to you is what does these verses mean to you now what is God saying to you from these verses now so let me read it again and then I just really want to keep quiet for 30 seconds to a minute just to allow that and if we have some response time at the end maybe we'll do a bit of that so so just hear it again hear it again if anyone would come after me let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save their life would lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for their soul? Holy Spirit, I just ask you to just speak to each one now. Thank you, Lord. If there was something that you felt God was speaking to you in that time, I encourage you to not, not to just, you know, let it fade away in these next few minutes um, as we finish and have tea and coffee and all of that. I encourage you to 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 make sure you note know it down somewhere on your phone and your notebook and and just maybe cheer over it a bit more um, in the rest of the day. So. I want to go on to the last part. So the 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 underlying layer of the bread. Um, we've done the top bread, the middle the middle meat. Here's the bottom part. Both Matthew and Luke report tell us of the transfiguration story right after this Jesus. Um, this this kind of call um, that Jesus gives. Both of them have the transfiguration coming right after it, and. Um, a couple of things that I've learned, actually, talking about learning learning points and teaching points from from the, the other one, and feeling like I didn't have anything. There's a couple of things that I saw just from preparing this time that I hadn't I hadn't seen before, and it's it's to do with, like I said, the fact that they have these stories before and after tells us that there's something that the author is trying to help us to see, and. What it is when you look at the Transfiguration story, what happens? I'm sure you all you all know it. Jesus takes his disciples, a few of them, um, three of them, um, to the, to this mountain, and then suddenly, um, like light everywhere. Elijah and Moses appear. Jesus is having this conversation with him. The disciples are like, "What is going on?" Um, Peter kind of says this is peter thin and he's like lord should we just build some shelters for you so that we can like live here forever and and everything's all hunky-dory um and and you're just like what what, what is that all all about well actually you, when you look at it a bit more carefully you'll notice that what's happening in this transfiguration story parallels exactly what's just been been happening before so Jesus appears with this um, Moses and and Elijah appear with Jesus and Jesus kind of is 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 shining he's in his glory they see him in a different light than what they've seen him before and that helps us to see that Jesus is not an ordinary man he is the glorious messiah just like Peter had confessed him to be. So Jesus is, is the Messiah. We, we see that he's, he's not ordinary. He's having a chat with Elijah and with Moses. Like, that's not ordinary, if you get what I'm saying. So this is confirming what Peter thought, that Jesus is no ordinary man. And like I said, in that moment, what's going through Peter's head is like, whoa, this is amazing. We could build shelters. They could live here. But actually... Just like Jesus said to Peter, that glory is going to come, but actually his death on the cross must precede that full glorification. And if you read about what's happening in the, in the chat with Elijah and Moses, apparently they're talking about his departure. Um, I don't know if uh, Matthew includes a lot of that detail, but in Luke 9, Luke writes about it. Um In verse thirty, you see, it says, um, "And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem." So they were speaking about what was going to happen in his journey to Jerusalem, the whole he's going to suffer, he's going to die thin. So exactly what Jesus told Peter that, "Yeah, I am going. I am the Messiah. I am going to be glorified." But actually, I've got to die. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer and stuff like that. That's what they're talking about. And then what happens? We see Peter misunderstand what then needs to happen after. Like I said, Peter then pipes up and says, oh, let's build some shelters so that build some tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. (laughs) And the gospel writers even tell us that Peter didn't know what he was talking about. Like He just literally spoke and opened his mouth and words came out. Um, And that's exactly what, again, like I said, happened before. When Jesus said this thing about I'm going to Jerusalem, Peter drags him aside and is like, no, no, no. That's not happening with you. God forbid kind of thing. And again, it's showing us that. Just, just as then, here in the transfiguration, you see that Peter and perhaps some of the other disciples as well, they misunderstood Jesus' mission. They're like, yeah, let's build the, te- the shelters for you. But actually, no, Jesus must pass through suffering, must pass through death to then become the reigning, glorious king and Messiah of the whole world. So I had just, I just never seen that. Um, in, in thinking about the transfiguration story that it was it was just that parallel of what happens in the confession story that we see happen in in here. And, and I guess it's that kind of repetition that really helps us to understand um, that whole that whole thing. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah, but what kind of Messiah do you think he is? <laughs> He's not the one that's just going to come and dominate and rule and, and, and reign. No, he's the one that's gonna allow himself to suffer, be killed, and then be exalted. He is, he is though, the glorious Messiah. He is though the one who will come with, with with angels singing. He is the one who will come and and it will be more glorious than anything we've any anything we've experienced in the past with Moses or with Elijah or with anyone else. He will, his return and his reign will be beautiful. And I feel like that's part of why this transfiguration story is 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 there to help us see as well because you, you could wonder why does Jesus choose to 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 take them to kind of see this whole thing happen. That he's about to leave and they're about to go through some serious suffering. He wants them to have the glory in mind. He wants them to be in no doubt that he really is the Messiah. Because yeah, Peter confessed it. But when you're going through suffering, that's when you're cha- what you really believe is going to be challenged. Right? We all, we all know that. We could say and we believe one thing. But when you're persecuted for it, are you still going to hold on to that thing that you believed in? Jesus is wanting them to be really, really sure. Why? So that when persecution comes along, when they get thrown in and out of jail, when they get flogged however many times, they're going to know that, no. We didn't just imagine this. Jesus really is the Messiah. We saw it in the miracles. We saw it in his teaching. He even took us on a mountain and we saw it. So Jesus is helping them to be sure. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm... including this as part of my message today because I want you guys to be sure of it. I want you guys to be sure of it. So whether you're someone who had not already confessed Jesus as a Messiah, like I said, today is the day for that. But if you're someone who has done it, maybe last year or maybe 10 years ago, I want you to go away with this story in mind that your confession is right That your confession is one you should hold on to tooth and nail. That your confession is one that you should not turn away from because Jesus is the glorious Messiah and he's coming back for us. He's coming back for us. So as we seek to follow him now with all the self-denial, dying to self, sacrifice that that may involve, let's be sure to do it keeping the glory in mind. The glory of heaven and all that God has in store for us for eternity, you know, that that in itself is, is a whole nother sermon. But it is a reality. It is a reality that is as sure as, as anything we could be going through now. So hold on to that reality. When times of suffering and testing of what we believe comes, hold on. To that reality. Amen. Amen. I just want to take take a couple of moments to to kind of lead us in a bit of a response, if that's all right. Um, so maybe if I can invite the band um, to come back up, and um, yeah, I guess I want to go back to just those three main things that I've I've already spoken about, and just yeah, maybe give you a few more minutes. To chew on it and and to allow Holy Spirit to really seal it in just before we round off. why don't we all stand? I just want to go back to my first <laughs> my first plea and probably my strongest plea, not, not probably my strongest plea. If you are here and you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Messiah, don't wait another day. Don't wait another day. I just want to give, give that opportunity before anything else. If If that's you, if that's you, you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, but Holy Spirit has just stirred something in you today. Why don't you just say with me or say in your own words, Lord, thank you that you are the Messiah, that you are God's anointed that you are the way the truth and the life that salvation is found only in you I choose to put my trust in you today I confess you as the Messiah please Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to walk as your disciple from this day on. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for anyone here who's making that confession today, I just pray that they would know just your real blessing, a real pouring out of your Holy Spirit on their lives. May they know that you are committed to them and that you give them your body as a gift to walk that journey with them. May they know that you want to take them by the hands and walk with them for the rest of their lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'll just encourage you, if that's you, don't don't leave here today without speaking to to the elders. and, and just letting them know that you've made this choice so that they can help you, like I said, in that journey going, going forward. I guess for everyone else, you know, you have been following Jesus for a while. You know, my 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 main question to you was just that, how is that going? How's that followership going? What's Jesus saying to you today? I gave you that moment earlier on to just hear those verses jesus's call he says if you would follow me this is what it's going to involve that you're going to have to keep on following me that you're going to have to deny yourself daily and that you're going to take up your cross and follow him Like I said, I can't tell you what that means for you today. That's why I've given a chance for God to speak to you. Like I said, take hold of whatever you heard Him say earlier on. It sounds to me like those verses can be summed up by three words Die, die, die. Just die, 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 die to yourself. Die to, just die, die, die. But also, at the end of it, I'm also seeing that he says, life, 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 glory, glory, glory. So I guess for you, I want you not going away from here, just, just hearing the die, die, die. I want you to equally hear the life, life, life. I want you to equally hear the glory, glory, glory. Give them grace, give them courage, give them perseverance in walking that life, Lord. And if there were anything that you were highlighting today for particular ones or for, for, for them as a church corporately, Lord, I pray that you would just supply all the grace needed for the follow-through. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Breathe on us, Lord breathe on us Lord, stir up those living waters in us God Lord that we would live every day in light of that glory Lord that we would live every day in light of that glory thank you Lord Jesus Lord that we would live every day in lord i pray that your just mighty awesome blessings will come upon each individual and lord would come upon your church lord that lord through this church many more will come to know you as savior as messiah lord that through this church lord many will come to take hold of life and life to the fullness, Lord. That through this church, many not just in this area, the neighborhood, but many in this city, Lord, many in this nation, Lord, many in other nations, as you send them out, Lord God, many others, Lord, will find life and life to the fullness in you. Thank you, mighty God. Oh, we love you, Lord. Give you all the glory. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord.